Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm Steve Schaefer of the Houston Chronicle with Astros beat writer Chandler Rome, who is in Los Angeles on the verge of the All-Star game. Astros had five players who are going to go, but turns out they're only going to have two. Jordan Alvarez is going to stay in Houston, recuperate, um, try and get his hand back uh, before they play the Yankees after the break. Jose Altuve got hit on the knee the other night. He's going to try and get uh, fully well. And then Justin Verlander is not going to pitch in that game. But Chandler, they do have a couple All-Stars, and it's a big deal for Framber Valdez and Kyle Tucker. Yeah, in some ways, it's it's probably better this way, um, that the two first-time guys get to experience it in all of its glory. I mean, neither Framber nor Tucker has been to an All-Star game. Dusty Baker has strongly indicated that both of them are going to play. Framber's going to pitch an inning. You know, Kyle Tucker, he won't start the game, but he'll get in later in the game and he'll get in at bat. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal for these two guys. You know, this is a career milestone that a lot of guys look to. Um, You know, you never know. You kind of have to operate as if it'll be your last. So they're going to go and they're going to enjoy it. And I think that's great. Justin Verlander is going to come to L.A. to kind of take in the pageantry, walk the red carpet, show his face, but he won't pitch in the game. And then Altuve and Alvarez, like you said, will stay home. It's a bummer for Alvarez, who like Fromber and Tucker – have has not been to an all-star game yet. This was his first selection, so he'll have to wait. I I don't think this will be his only all-star selection, so I, I think we will be seeing him at all-star games in the future, but I guess the, the saying goes that you never forget your first, and you know it's tough that his first one's going to be spent back in Houston. We get to the halfway point. Kind of a misnomer when you say halfway point. It is the all-star break, but the Astros have played 91 games, so really 10 more than the halfway point, but they find themselves in an excellent position, 59-32, 648 percentage. This is the second best percentage they've ever had before an all-star break. The only better one was in 2017 when they won the World Series. Lead uh, nine games over the Mariners, who have won 14 straight going into the break, but be interested in your chief takeaways over this first half uh, for the Astros. It all kind of centers around pitching. Um, their pitching staff has exceeded just about any expectations I could have had for it entering the season. And that's not to say I thought they would be bad. I, I always thought that this pitching staff would be good, but I did not envision it being as elite as it is right now. Um, they enter the All-Star break as one of two teams uh, with a staff ERA below three. The other is the Los Angeles Dodgers. So the, the, the Astros are the only American League team with a sub-three ERA in their rotation. Uh, their starters have thrown the most innings in baseball. Their bullpen has thrown the least of any uh, bullpen in baseball. Uh, their bullpen has been, I think really it's kind of been the, the bullpen has been the bigger story to me because you kind of figured that the rotation would slot in. There was some uncertainty about Justin Verlander, but he's quieted that uh, pretty emphatically. Um, you kind of had questions about consistency with some other guys, but at the end, you always knew that they weren't going to be terrible. You knew that they were going to be average or above average, and they've kind of all exceeded that expectation. But, you know, for me, the bullpen, um, this has to be the most settled that an Astros bullpen has been at the All-Star break, at least in their, you know, five, six-year golden era that we're in right now uh, of them. They have a 2.66 ERA, which is the lowest ERA of any bullpen in baseball. They've got a clear group of four leverage relievers that they really trust that can go out there. Ryan Presley is currently their closer is currently running a streak of he's retired the last 27 batters he's faced in a row. Um, I believe 17 of them by strikeout. So he has thrown a perfect game going into the all-star break, which is uh, pretty incredible. Ryan Stanek um, was a pretty, uh, I wouldn't say a snub for the all-star game, but certainly merited consideration to go to the all-star game as an, e- as an ERA below 
are right at .5 right now. hasn't allowed a hasn't allowed a run in something like 24 straight outings. Rafael Montero has really emerged, and Hector Neris has done what they signed him to do this offseason. So, with that in mind, having that four, having those four leverage relievers really kind of separate themselves on top of a rotation that's not only going deep into games, but it's pitching well deep into games. It shortens the game for the other team. And, you know, the Astros, their offense has not been maybe the juggernaut that we are accustomed to seeing um, in years past, but they they certainly have uh, the, the ability of the Astros pitching staff to, you know, shorten games. The defense behind it has been serviceable. I think we'll get to this later that the defense has really kind of taken a nosedive here in the last couple of weeks. But other than that, you know, I, I, you can't quibble with where they are. A nine-game lead, and the only reason it's a nine-game lead is because the Mariners are on an ungodly 14-game winning streak right now. Uh, but this is a team, like we like we said early in the season, we were kind of waiting and feeling it out, but this is a pitching-first team that is being completely led by its pitching staff. Yeah, and the Astros haven't been bad uh, over the last two weeks, nine and five. So the Mariners have gained five games, but you're Seattle, you've gained five games, and you're still nine back. Now, they're going to be playing the Astros seven out of ten matchups from uh, the Friday after the break through the following weekend. We might touch on that a little bit. but So maybe the Astros haven't clinched the division yet, but they've kind of got the, the, the – they're in the position to almost do it in the first couple of weeks after the All-Star break. Uh, talking about the pitching staff, uh, Lance McCullers Jr., they're still weighing whether he needs another batting practice, live batting practice session or is ready for – a rehab assignment. The minor leaguers also take a break until Friday, but he's going to be back soon. And now we're looking at a a potential seventh starting pitcher in this rotation. How do you see things playing out there? And who's the odd man out? I can't imagine doing a seven-man rotation. And the one thing I look at is Christian Javier, who may be through the best back-to-back games in Astros history a couple of weeks ago, struggling a little bit with that first pitch strike. How does that shake out in the second half? I'm hesitant to make any grand presumptions now until I know for a fact Lance McCullers Jr. is going to come back. Um, and that's not to say, that's not to douse you know, his rehab progress, but he is still so far away. I mean, even if they do send him out on a minor league rehab assignment um, in the coming days, I believe the largest he's built his pitch count to in these live BPs is around 40 pitches. He's going to need at least four or five minor league rehab outings. So you're looking at another month, month and a half. So... Um, I, I don't think it's imminent that he's going to come back. Um, when he does, you know, this team could look completely different. The trade deadline is in three weeks. Um, you, you just mentioned the surplus of starters they have, and that doesn't include Hunter Brown, who is down in AAA just dominating the Pacific Coast League and probably would be in, I talked to a scout this week that said he should be in 22 of 30 major league rotations. The Asher's obviously not one of them, but It'll be interesting to see what they do with the deadline. Do they trade from that surplus to address some other needs? Um, and if they trade for the, if they trade from that surplus, then it kind of fixes itself, right? If Lance McCullers Jr. comes back, and you know they've gotten rid of one of their six starters, then they could work a six-man rotation in, or they could, you know, they. I think the thing that a lot of people don't remember about these younger starters, I'm talking about Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy and Christian Javier. Um, they all have experience coming out of the bullpen because they they pitch in the Astros minor league system, which is a tandem system, which requires piggybacking. Guys come in at the end of games. So they've pitched out of the bullpen before. And a lot of these guys, too, have never really taken on a full season's workload. Um, so they're going to be looking for ways already to shave some innings off of Christian Javier, who I don't believe has thrown more than 
you know, 150, 160 innings in any season. Same thing with Jose Urquidy. So you could see if 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 the situation does manifest itself where in mid-August they don't trade anybody at the deadline, McCullers comes back, everyone's pitching well, and it's a seven-man rotation. I, it's not going to be a seven-man rotation, but you would see one guy move to the bullpen, and then you would see maybe them give Jose Urquidy a blow, maybe give Christian Javier a blow, Luis Garcia a blow, just to – save their innings and make sure that they're ready to go in September and October. But again, we're so far away from that, that it's kind of difficult right now to, to plan how it would do, because like, like I'm sure we'll talk about here soon after August 2nd, this team could look a lot different. Well, speaking of August 2nd, so you've written uh, and we've talked about previously about how maybe the Astros go get a reliever. Um, although as you said, the bullpen has been very good, a little bit of a letdown on Sunday. And it's interesting that, you know, Stanek's got that scoreless inning streak, but he did allow a couple inherited runners to score in the loss. But he has been terrific, and then Montero took the loss. But overall, the bullpen's been excellent, and you think, well, maybe we know Dusty Baker would like to have a left-hander, so that might be who they pursue. But um, in the things that make you a go-whom department, what, something happened Saturday night when the Washington Nationals revealed, hey, we'll listen to offers for Juan Soto, who turned down a 15-year, $440 million deal from them. So my question to you is, and I'm sure a lot of teams look at that, and it's an, it's an interesting situation to me, and so I'm just going to play Astros fan advocate here, uh, as a lot of people might be wondering. And, and every, I'm sure every contender's radar perked up because Soto is more than a rental. You get him this year. He's still under team control for two more years before he's even eligible for free agency, so you could get him for a few years. So I'm thinking, okay, if you're the Astros, You've got a surplus of pitching. Maybe you give up one of these starters. You've got Corey Lee and Yiner Diaz. Diaz, who you saw in the Futures game yesterday, maybe a potential catcher. You've got Jake Myers, Jose Siri, Pedro Leone, a possible center fielder. You could do it. I don't know if the Nationals would have interest in Forrest Whitley. He's still ballyhooed as a prospect. So my question is, with the Astros, knowing they don't have to give Juan Soto 450 or half a billion dollars over the long term, just knowing we'd be willing to take this guy for three seasons, three more pennant races. Do they have a chance? Are they even in, is there even any chance the Astros would go after Juan Soto? Well, there's always a chance. And it would be a dereliction of duty by James Click and his front office to not make a call. Um, I would put the chances at 5% or less, just for a, a myriad of reasons. You know, number one, all those prospects you mentioned, um, locally and just from the Astros lens, we view as good prospects. Um, Industry-wide, not so much. The Astros have one consensus top 100 prospect across MLB Pipeline, Baseball America, Fangraphs, kind of anywhere you look. They have one consensus top 100 prospect, and it's Hunter Brown. Um, like you said, they have a surplus of starting pitching. That is an area where they, they, they aren't necessarily in desperate need of a, a top prospect to be. So, okay, we can take that. Other than that, you know, we don't know how other teams view these prospects. You know, the Astros are obviously always going to blow their own prospects up. They're going to say, you know, we think this guy's great. We think this guy's underrated. We think this, and, and a lot of front offices don't really subscribe to outside publications and how outside publications rank players. But just, you know, look, the Astros do not have the high-end talent to be able to compete for Juan Soto. They don't have – they could package a ton of prospects together 
and I'm by a ton, I mean like, you know, seven, eight, nine, and, and maybe have a chance, but they, they just do not have the knockdown drag out type of prospects that the nationals I think would entertain. And when you look at other teams that are going to be in on this, you know, the Mets, the Dodgers who have one of the top farm systems in baseball, the Yankees who have, I believe five top 100 prospects, um, all those teams not only have prospects, you know, they have money. And they have money that their owners have shown that they are not afraid to spend. Because, so look, you mentioned that it would, if in, in your scenario, it would only be a two-year rental because Juan Soto has two more years of arbitration left. He got a $17.1 million salary in the arbitration process uh, this past winter. That number is going to go up the next two winters. The Astros have Kyle Tucker going into the arbitration process for the first time. He is going to chase, he's going to flirt with a first-year record of the arbitration process. Um, Fromber Valdez, who we just talked about, just recently named an all-star, he's going to go through the arbitration process a second time, and he's going to be due a pretty sizable raise from $3.1 million that he got the first time through the arbitration process. So the Ashers are already looking at two big arb raises this, this coming winter. Does Jim Crane want to add a third? Um, that should also be reminded that um, Alex Bregman's contract, uh, the, the numbers go up starting next season. That's when he starts making, I believe, around $30 million a year. So his big payday starts kicking in next year. They have the question of what to do with Justin Verlander because once Justin Verlander reaches the 130-inning threshold, he can opt out of his contract and, and seek free agency. Do they pursue a reunion with him on a short, shorter-term deal if he opts out? Um, Juan Soto is the – I mean, this is – it's going to be the dumbest statement I've ever said on this podcast, but Juan Soto is the sort of player the Astros need. Juan Soto is the sort of player every team needs. Uh, he is a left-handed hitting corner outfielder that would fit in perfectly in the Astros lineup. Um, but I, I just don't think that the Astros are going to have, A, the desperation, and B, just the overall capital, both financial and prospect, to make a legitimate run. And when I talk about desperation, what I mean is, you know, the Yankees are in a spot right now where they're in a market where they haven't won a World Series since 2009, I think. And that is like the longest drought in the world, and they're calling for people's heads, and they've got one of the best teams ever right now. They had one of the best first halves in franchise history. They are on full go. Like, they are going to be desperate as heck at the August 2nd trade deadline to improve that team in any way possible, and they have the capital to do it. And they have the capital to keep Juan Soto long-term. The Mets have one of the richest, no, not one of, the richest owner in sports who, can, who has shown no unwillingness to spend money and who also have prospects that could compete and get a Juan Soto-type deal. And then you've seen the Dodgers do this exact same thing with this exact same franchise last year with Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. They traded away a bunch of good prospects, got those two guys back, and their farm system is so good, and they've built such a sustainable model there that they have just as much talent now that they could trade to get Juan Soto. So long and short of it, James Click should make a call. I don't think he has a chance. Very good. You know, it's interesting. Soto, uh, by his standards, he was off to this slow start, and I'm looking at the box score after their win on Sunday. He's got 20 home runs and a 902 OPS. I mean, this is like an off year for this guy, and he and he's really hot right now. I mean, he could, he, whoever winds up with him, if the Nationals trade him, I don't think Nationals are going to give him away. They've got him for two more years if they want him. They have no 
need to just make it a fire sale. But if somebody came up with the right offer, it'd be interesting. But uh, he is heating up. It, it it does make the hot stove a lot more interesting when suddenly Wilson Contreras isn't necessarily the main property out there. And now you're talking Juan Soto. Looking ahead to the second half, doubleheader with the Yankees coming up Thursday. It's a makeup from a couple games that were lost by the lockout in the first week. And then those seven out of 10, three at Seattle, then uh, a series with the A's, I believe, and then four more with the Mariners back here uh, at Minute Maid. How do you see? Um, how do you see the race? Are the Mariners a legitimate threat, or uh, is it just hey the Astros they can use a break and they're going to come back fresh? Well, you talk about desperation. The Mariners haven't made the playoffs since I was in like kindergarten, so they're going to be desperate at the deadline. Like like Jerry Depoto already trades like it's a bodily function. He's going to go get a bunch of good players at the deadline because they just they just want to make the playoffs. Like I don't think they're like. Yes, they want to win the World Series, but they need to break this playoff drought. And they've got Julio Rodriguez, who is taking over the world right now as a rookie. Um, they're they're pitching the ball very, very well. Their bullpen's really kind of coalesced. Robbie Ray is like reverted to Cy Young form, and um, they're going to add at the deadline. Um, I think the deficit is too great right now. But look, I, you, you said seven out of ten against the Mariners to start the the second half. Let's say they take five of those seven games. You know, then you're looking up and it's. Oh, they're within five games in the division and the trade deadline's coming up. And like I just said, they're going to be aggressive and who knows? I mean, you saw them last year kind of ride the wave of just, they were just, they weren't a great team, but you know, they got together and they, they just had this vibe and this mojo about them. You know, now they have better players and they're playing better and they've got that same vibe. So I think it's really um, going to – I would like it to be a compelling race just because it's like it's better for baseball that way. It's better when the Mariners are good. It's just better when division races aren't decided in July and August. So, um, you know, I think the Astros, as it pertains to them, um, they missed – I don't want to say they missed an opportunity because, like you said, they went – in July, they went something like 11-5. and five. But when you look at the teams they played, every game they played in July, 16 games, Angels, A's, and Royals. Uh, the A's are the worst team in the American League. The Royals are probably the second worst team in the American League. And I'm going to tell you, I've watched the Angels enough this year to say they're probably worse than both of those teams. The Angels have just completely checked out. It looks like their at-bats are uncompetitive. They're on an interim manager right now. They look completely dead in the water. And I'm going to tell you, for these 16 games in July, the Astros just played them pretty terrible brand of baseball. I mean, they made 14 errors in those 16 games. Their defense has really, and I don't, again, I don't know if it's the dog days. You have to acknowledge that Michael Brantley and and Jordan Alvarez were not in the lineup for most of those games either. That really does change the complexion of this team, but they looked tired to me. They looked run down. They looked just, they didn't look like the Astros. So I think the break is coming at a good time for them, but I will caution everyone, you know, they've got a really difficult travel and opponent schedule right out the break. They they don't get that Thursday off like some teams do. They've got to play a doubleheader against the best team in baseball and the Yankees. And then after that doubleheader, they fly overnight to Seattle to start a three-game series in Seattle. So that first game in Seattle is going to be some worn-out Astros. So it's not getting any easier for them, and the competition's going to ratchet up. You know, I, I think we've seen this team. They've proved that they've proven themselves against good competition. You know, you look at what they did in the nine games against the two New York clubs. Um, I don't think you need to worry about it, but it just it was a little disconcerting to see how just fundamentally off they looked in the beginning of July. And again, maybe it's just 
you know, everyone looking forward to the all-star break. And, and these guys are humans. Like they knew who they were playing. They knew that for lack of a better word, they could have rolled the bats and balls out there and provided Shohei Otani wasn't pitching. They could have just run through these teams and, and they did um, while playing just pretty terribly. So um, they need to play better, but they'll take where they are right now. Well, and where they are right now is nine games in front of the Mariners as we reach the break. Four and a half games behind the Yankees in terms of best record in the American League. And uh, we've talked about as long as you're in the top two, you're going to get that first round playoff by. But going to be an exciting final 70 or so games to play. Chandler's in L.A. for the All-Star game. And I remind you that you can keep up with his coverage on the Astros All-Stars and that game at HoustonChronicle.com and in the pages of Houston Chronicle. And, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Chandler underscore Rome. Chandler, always appreciate the insights. And we thank you all for listening to the Texas Sports Nation podcast. 